What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita, and we are taping this on a Monday, August 23rd, 2021. College football season is upon us. We're about to get rolling on another year of college football. It's going to be a different, and we're back to what feels like normality in the world of college football. So today, uh, I will have Andrew Stem alongside me, and we will be previewing this next college football season. Now, this could end up being a bit of a long episode, so I may end up breaking it up into separate multiple episodes of this podcast. But uh, yeah, we're taping this all here on a Monday. Uh, I had a great weekend. Just saw Josh Turner over the weekend in Valparaiso, Indiana. Uh, good time talking with Alec Peters on our last episode of the podcast, former Valparaiso uh, still a Valparaiso legend in terms of that basketball program. And he played with the Suns for a little bit. Now he's st- a star over in the Euro League. was fun catching up with him. We talked some baseball as well. So uh, no baseball podcast this week, but we'll be back next week, early in the week, recapping the week's baseball news. I'll also have an NFL preview show coming out with CJ Revis, where we'll probably do, we'll do the same thing. We're going to re- tape an episode and we may split it up into multiple parts, uh, but I'm taping that later this week. And then we have a very special guest joining us on the podcast. Could be later this week, could be the following week, could be the week after that. But sometime very soon, we have a very special guest who's very excited to come on this show. I will release the name of that person when we have a date. So uh, I'll put that out on social media if you guys have any questions you want to ask this person. Uh, But it's a big time guest that we're very excited to have. So uh, make sure you guys are all subscribed to the Jack Vita show, wherever it is that you're listening to podcasts. Follow along on at Jack Vita show on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can vote in our sports movie bracket. We're right now in the Sweet 16 and uh, log on to my website, jackvita.com, for all of the great content that we have over there, stuff I'm writing, and all of our podcast episodes. At this time, I would love to welcome in our co-host for the day. I shouldn't call him a guest anymore because he's been on so many of these. Andrew Stem, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you, Jack. It is always good to chat with you. And, uh, you know, this is as the baseball playoffs are getting set to get going, winding up here. September's around the corner and uh, college football getting going and the NFL not too far away. It's one of those great times of the year. Uh, you know, the other time in the spring when baseball's getting going, the NCAA tournament's going on. It's, uh, it's a good time to be a sports fan and uh, awfully excited to talk some college football with you. There's a, it's good to talk about that return to normal. So you said we're going to have fans in the stands the atmospheres will be back and uh, it should be a good time and out of conference games too for that matter yeah I, uh, and like legitimate ones not just like you know yeah. the acc played one and uh, i think the sec maybe played one the big 10 didn't play any um so yeah yeah it'll be real good and we got uh, you know we talk about week one coming up here there are some really really good uh non-conference games to get the slate going yeah, I saw some of those matchups and I was like, oh, yeah, this happens sometimes in college football when you have these heavyweights playing each other. And we didn't we unfortunately did not have that last year with uh, the covid of everything. But, hey, we're back now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you got Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Miami, uh, Notre Dame, Florida State on Sunday of Memorial Day or Labor Day weekend, rather. And uh 
know, there are also some good intra-conference games. Like when we get to the Big Ten, we'll talk about it. But Iowa opens with Indiana, Ohio State, and Minnesota, um, Wisconsin, and Penn State. Uh, so we got we got some good stuff going on. We have a lot of great stuff. So let's just kick it off and let's get going here. I'm going to start with one conference here, and I. I don't think you. I I would guess you probably would not guess this is a conference I'm starting with. If you had to guess, what would you think I'd go with to start? I mean, I would assume you'd probably start with the SEC, right? That's like the that's the big one. So, um, mm, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking let's start with the conference that may not be around at this time next year. Let's start with the Big Twelve. Let's start with the Big Twelve. <laughs> All right. All right. That works for me. So the Big Twelve is. I mean. I'm actually really interested in how things go this year because Oklahoma last year really was phenomenal down the stretch. I I actually, in my personal rankings, I had them ahead of Notre Dame. Um, I had Cincinnati in as my number four team. I actually had Oklahoma, though, as five. I had Oklahoma ahead of A&M, ahead of Notre Dame. Now, that may have been an unpopular opinion, but Oklahoma was playing some great football down the stretch of last year. And I, with Spencer Rattler now going into year two as a starter, this is the first year that they've had a quarterback return for a year two since Baker Mayfield. This guy's a, uh, he might be the odds on Heisman favorite. Oklahoma is clearly the favorite coming into the big 12, but there are a few other teams that at least a couple that I think are going to be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, every, there was a lot of talk about Iowa state last year and, uh, you know, they seemingly sort of came, I don't want to say they came out of nowhere because Matt Campbell's been building a, uh, you know, pretty good program, but uh, he went from three and nine in 2016, eight and five and 17, eight and five and 18, seven and six and 19, and then nine and three last year. You know, they've been building towards that. And now it will be really interesting to see, you know, how they kind of handle the weight of expectations, right? I mean, everybody's predicting, I think, mostly Oklahoma to win the Big 12 and then Iowa State to finish second and get into that Big 12 championship game. And, uh, you know, the question becomes, can they can they do that? Can they handle the weight of expectations? They have so many guys coming back. You know, they got Brees Hall coming back, uh, the running back, quarterback Brock Purdy, uh, tight end Charlie Kolar, one of the top tight ends in college football. So they've got a lot of guys, especially on the offensive side of the ball, who are returning. And uh, it seems to open up well for them. You just kind of wonder... And, you know, I hope that we get some some different blood here in the college football playoff. But you kind of wonder whether they have that sort of sustainability or whether last year was kind of a, you know, we were building and then people were taking us, you know, maybe not quite so seriously. And now, you know, like Oklahoma and Iowa State or and Texas, rather, uh, you assume Iowa State's going to get everybody's best shot this time around. So certainly hope that they can they can keep going with that. But they will be a team certainly worth watching. I know in the top uh, preseason top 10 polls. Um, and, you know, pick to finish second again. But uh, if they can keep that going, um, it could be a really special year in Ames. Yeah, I think something that would be interesting for us to do is, I mean, obviously you have to like Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Ohio State as your four. I mean, that's that's everyone's favorite four. But I think it'd be interesting to try to make a case for a team in each conference potentially. And if I'm looking at the Big 12, it's definitely Iowa State. I really think that Brock Purdy was a little underrated last year. He had some he had some really big games. I remember that game when they beat Oklahoma early in the season. So they, they have beaten Oklahoma. They did it last year. Can they do it again this year? Uh, there's they're, they're a potential sleeper for the college football playoff. I do think that the handling the weight of those expectations is going to be a challenge. We saw it with 
Valpo basketball when I was a junior coming off that year in 2015, uh, make the tournament. And then the next year end up missing the tournament. That's, that's definitely a hard thing to do. But I, I look at, if I want to talk about like a Heisman sleeper, I would not be surprised if Brock Purdy plays himself into that conversation over the course of the season. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, you know, I'm looking up uh, at his numbers uh, from a year ago and, uh, you know, again, with the sample size a little bit different, but threw for almost 3,000 yards, 19 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Um, as you said, he was really good in that win over Oklahoma when they won early on, and uh, they just kept building. And Matt Campbell has, uh, you know, he's really built something. He came from Toledo and now uh, here at Iowa State, and I know he was wanted uh, in a lot of circles, both in college and in the NFL a year ago. And if he has another really strong year, um, you know, he's going to have a lot of potential suitors coming his way. And, yeah. uh, you know, the schedule shapes up a little bit differently this year um, because instead they played, they got Oklahoma early. Uh, I think it was the third, so it looks like the third game of the year last year. And uh, this time they don't play them until the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So it's all the way in November 20th. So, you know, there's, there's a chance because um, they get Texas at home. They get Oklahoma State at home. Uh, they get Iowa at home. It seems like they have most of their big games that would be difficult uh, until you get to that game at Oklahoma that are going to be in Ames. I mean, so there's a chance you know, get to that point on November 20th and we've got, you know, two undefeated big 12 teams. who are going to be going at it and, you know, realistically could be meeting for the first time and then play again two weeks later in the conference championship game. Yeah. And that, that would be the tough thing because we saw it this past year with, um, ACC, the ACC was able to get two bids for their league. Now, should they have? I mean, the ACC didn't win a bowl game last year. So, I mean, I <laughs> um, I think that's right. They didn't win a bowl game, did they? Not that I remember. No, they... One, yeah, one that they, sticks out, but I'll be so honest, like, with this, so few bowl games, like, there were some yeah. I paid attention to, there were some I didn't, so they may have, like, won one, but yeah. they, didn't, they certainly didn't have a marquee win or one that sticks out. Yeah, so it would be... It would be unfortunate for the Big 12 if they got in a situation where one of those teams won the first game and then the other team won the second game, which team gets the bid because they could end up playing themselves out of a bid. Um, but, I mean, look, the both these teams are going to be really good. Looking at the rest of the conference, I mean, Texas is very interesting this year because they're making the power move to the SEC. They'll probably be in the SEC at this time next year. They start out the season at number 21, and this is Steve Sarkeesian's first year as a head coach. Uh, interesting situation for Texas coming in this year. They've had high expectations. It's been about 12 years now, ever since that Colt McCoy year, and I actually just met Sam Acho at Panera the other day. He was on that 9 team. Uh, but you know, Texas has had these high expectations, and it feels like each year they come up short of that. The story with them is Sarkeesian, the guy who's going to finally get them uh, back at that level where they had been in the past. That'd be interesting to see. You know, you look at um, like the the sort of Alabama coordinator reclamation project, right? Like it, it worked for Lane Kiffin. Yep. He, he, you know, struggled at, at Tennessee and, and with the Raiders. And then he ended up back in, in Tuscaloosa. And then all of a sudden, you know, he parlayed that into the Florida Atlantic job and then did well at FAU and is now transitioned to the SEC. Um, you know, can Sarkeesian do the same? Like people are wondering, you know, we talk about Kirby smart and how he was, you know, at Alabama and he's building something in Georgia. And we'll talk about the Bulldogs when we get to the SEC. Um, you know, Sark, 
Sark was really good at USC. Then he struggled at Washington. He had, you know, those, those off field circumstances. And I, I think he uh, hoped that he's gotten his, his life turned around and seemingly back in order. But, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough ask. I mean, you know, you said preseason 20, but, uh, you know, Sam Ellinger is gone. Uh, looks like they're going to be starting both a freshman quarterback and a, probably a freshman running back. Um, I know that Vishon Robinson was on the team last year, and, you know, you got to wonder about guys who are – or you got to be a little bit wary about where guys are listed as year-wise because last year was a free COVID year. So some guys – you know, Robinson is still listed as a freshman, but sophomore-wise in terms of playing, having played for one year already. But, um, you know, Ellinger was so good for them to start breaking a new quarterback and – you know, to have to deal with everybody, you know, gunning for them because, you know, like you said, this may be everybody's last chat, last chance in the Big 12 to get a crack at Oklahoma and Texas. So, you know, they're going to bring it every single week. And, uh, you know, I think Sarkeesian will probably end up building something good, but I, they may struggle a little bit here and drop a game or two that you wouldn't normally expect them to here in the first year. It's going to be some growing pains. Yeah, and looking at the rest of the conference, the other teams receiving votes uh, in the AP poll, Oklahoma State, TCU, we've got West Virginia. I think those are the three others. So uh, interesting to look at those teams. TCU is a school that I, I typically watch their games every week with my sister now being a proud alum. And TCU had a great stretch from around Andy Dalton, like around that 2009 to you know 2010 on to 2017. 2017, they played in the Big 12 championship game and ended up losing to Oklahoma. Since then, the last couple of years, they've been a little mediocre. So Max Duggan in his third year as a quarterback, uh, TCU looks to, you know, the last couple of years, they've been pretty average. Could this potentially be uh, TCU returning to prominence this year? And I guess the questions, they're good questions for Oklahoma State and West Virginia this year, too. Yeah, you know, you talk about TCU and since uh, you kind of referenced them a little bit, it seems like, you know, they've been they've always been pretty decent offensively, but where they've kind of struggled the last few years has really been on defense. Like when you think about Gary Patterson, I feel like at least in my mind, you you know, you think about kind of that lockdown defense and they're going to hit you in the mouth and you know, whatever other sort of cliches you want to throw out, but they're going to be really, really tough defensively. You know, last year they gave up 24.2 points per game, 2019, 26.4, 2018, 23.1. Well, you look at 2017 when they made the the Big 12 title game you referenced, just 19 points per game. So if they can get back on and to that on defense, and uh, you know it looks like they've got a decent number of returning starters coming back. You know that's that's so key in college football, and you talked about it is the the carryover to have returning starters, guys who are familiar with the system or familiar with playing in the league or uh, you know a variety of things. If they can do that. And, uh, you know, the schedule sets up kind of favorably for them to get going. They start with Duquesne, an interesting um, non-conference game against Cal, then SMU, and they get Texas at home on October 2nd. And, you know, if they can win that game, start out 4-0 uh, and really start building towards something, uh, it could be a, a pretty good year in Fort Worth for the, you know, for, for your sister as an alum. <laughs> any other thoughts on this conference at large or any other teams in this conference? Um, it will be interesting to watch Oklahoma State's offense. You know, this year without Chuba Hubbard, they kind of built around that about built around him, and they had a good year last year. How do they kind of rebound off uh, rebound offensively, breaking in a new running back? Um, you know, I like Neil Brown came from Troy at West Virginia. I like the offense they run. Uh, things that 
you know, not bottomed out, but uh, when they were under Dana Holgerson, they kind of, you know, reached about as far as they were going to go. Um, and it may still be a year or two before he really gets things going, but um, they'll be interesting to watch this year. And they'll be a team who I feel like might be, you see this year building for a potentially really good season in 2022. All right, let's move on over to the ACC. Let's, we're going to start with some of these conferences. We'll do big 12 ACC and then pack 12, and then we'll move to, uh, the two conferences that I think we're the most excited to talk about. We'll build suspense here. And, and the along. two conferences we'll probably spend the most time talking about. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. So. Yes. So in the in the ACC, we just looking at this thing, uh, big picture. So Trevor Lawrence is no longer the Clemson starting quarterback. And now insert DJ Ugalele. Did I say his name right? I think that's I think so. I think yeah. so. That's how I've said it. So if, if, if you're <laughs> wrong, I'm wrong. And. You know, maybe if uh, if they listen, maybe we'll get a, a letter of uh, <laughs> explanation from the Ugalele family. <laughs> so uh, he he made he played last year. Co- uh, Trevor was out with COVID for a few weeks, and he played really well. So it'll be really interesting with Clemson this year because look, if you if you take a look at where they've been in the college football playoff, and obviously, look, they they've been they've had a couple of really great years, but up to the standard that they had set by winning two national championships in three years since the last one they won, they've taken a step back in each year. They went two years ago, they got stomped on in the in the uh, national championship game by LSU. Last year, they got stomped on in the final four game against Ohio State. Now you lose Trevor. I could see why you know some people might be a little concerned. Is there some regression with this team? Look, the team's really dang good. Um, They've—I don't believe they've lost a regular season game aside from well, they—they they did lose that Notre Dame game. But other than that, I mean, they've been pretty much flawless in the regular season in the last two years. It'll be really interesting to see what this post-Trevor era looks like for Clemson this year. Yeah, it will be good for them. Uh, Justin Ross, who missed all of last year uh, with an injury, I, I think a, I think an ACL injury, but I I, I can't be a hundred percent certain of that he's back. It's good. Really going to stabilize the, the receiving core. And, uh, you know, what does their backfield look like without Travis Etienne? Like he was a mainstay back there, um, for a while. And, uh, you know, so, so placing the quarterback. And as you mentioned, uh, DJ Gulele, he played very well in that game in South Bend. And I can't remember the other ones, um, you know, that they played while Trevor Lawrence was out, but how do they replace those guys? Um, you know, they've kind of become sort of the, the Alabama type football factory where it's just next man up. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't know if, you know, they opened the season against Georgia and Charlotte in the, uh, Duke's Mayo classic, I think is what it's being referred to as. Um, and you know, breaking in those guys, uh, it will be really interesting to see how that turns out, but, uh, you know, they could be one of those teams certainly that even if they drop that opening game to Georgia, if they can, you know, get on a roll, they skip. The uh, I think the prognosticated at least two best teams in the Coastal Division. They don't play North Carolina or Miami. Um, so they could have a chance uh, after that opening game against Georgia really to kind of build and get going uh, and build some momentum. So even if they drop that opening game, and this is not to say that they necessarily will, but should they not win that one, certainly not out of the national title picture by a long shot. It would be difficult and uh, would require running the table the rest of the way. But I think their schedule kind of sets up where they might be able to do that, um, even if they don't beat Georgia. If I had to make a case in the ACC 
other than Clemson, it, it's got to be North Carolina. Mac Brown's done a really good job with that program since he came back. Uh, these last couple years, two years ago, they came very, they came dang near close to beating North Carolina. I remember watching that game actually in Fort Worth when I was visiting my sister. Sam Howell's developed into one of the elite passers in college football. Another guy to be on your Heisman watch list. He could win the Heisman this year. He's uh, right now, a lot of the mock drafts have him as a top 10 pick. Sam Howell, Mac Brown, and there's a lot of talent on that offense. It's a really fun offense to watch. North Carolina would be the team that I guess would be other than Clemson that I would favor too. I mean, Miami's interesting too, but I, I like North Carolina a little more than I like Miami this year. See, I was going to say, uh, I will go ahead and take, uh, you know, if we're going to make a case for somebody, I'll make the case for Miami. Oh, um, let's hear it. I mean, Derek King, he, you know, struggled a little bit. Uh, is he look? Is he healthy now? Is he going to be good? I, 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 I certainly hope so. I think he's recovered from that knee injury. Um, you know, and you look at it, he was so dynamic at Houston. And if he can get back to being that, uh, in charge of, you know, under center or behind the helm of the Miami offense. And I think the really big thing is Miami returns 19 starters from last year. Um, you know, and, and Manny Diaz, um, you know, he hasn't quite gotten it going really like six and seven in his first year. They were eight and three last year, uh, but they did get blown out by North Carolina. Um, so, you know, some room to grow. I just like Derek King. I like all having 19 starters back. I think that will prove to be key. So you don't have to deal with all that turnover. Um, but as I mentioned, as I'm looking at North Carolina's got 18, so nothing to shake a stick at either. Uh, those two teams will be really interesting. And, uh, as it's seemingly been for forever, the coastal is the far more, uh, entertaining of those divisions. I mean, you know, Pittsburgh had a decent year last year, uh, Virginia tech under Justin Fuente, you know, they've, they've gotten better. They're building towards something. So, um, you know, the, the Coastal will be interesting. And then conversely, you look at um, the Atlantic Division, and then it's kind of like Clemson and everybody else. Like, I think NC State was picked to finish second, but I don't y- – y- do you see NC State upsetting Clemson no. enough to win that division? <laughs> Boston College, Wake Forest. I mean, Florida State under Mike Norvell is interesting just because they've been – they've struggled so much – since 2016 i mean seven and six in 2017 five and seven in 2018 six and seven in 2019 they were three and six last year like they've just looked lost you know the the last couple of years and uh you know so they're intriguing i don't think that i find them a chance to you know upset clemson um so i think it's it's clemson and everybody else so the the coastal is really the division to keep an eye on yeah, you're 100% right. And I think the thing with Miami is they had that year, and now it was four years ago, the year that they beat Notre Dame, and they had all the fun with the turnover chains. But for the most part, Miami football, it's been, we've been wanting to see them, again, return to prominence. We haven't seen it. I feel like that weight of expectations is, it's it weighs heavy. So there's a lot of expectations on this team. I do think the team's going to be really good. Beyond those three teams, I, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned North Carolina State, Boston College, Wake Forest, and uh, Florida State, but I, I really don't see any. I think the ACC is pretty thin; like it's top heavy with these three teams. Uh, is there anyone else in this conference that you want to uh, shine a light on? You, you know, to be perfectly honest, not really. Like 
Yeah. Like I said, I think Florida State is interesting for a variety of reasons, but it's just, like you said, it's, it's a very, very top-heavy conference. Um, and, you know, if we're going to highlight, I don't know if we're going to talk about highlight games later to, to keep an eye on, but October 16th is Miami at North Carolina. So maybe you give the Tar Heels the edge there because they get the game in Chapel Hill. Um, but it's, it's those three teams, uh, you know, the only three teams who are getting, I think the only three teams who are getting votes in the ACC and either the, uh, the preseason polls and, uh, you know, from there it, it, there, there should be a lot of entertaining games because I feel like there's a lot of teams who are pretty even aside from those three and could beat anybody. Like if, like if Syracuse beats, you know, Boston college, are we going to be surprised? We probably shouldn't be if Wake Forest finished second in, uh, the Atlantic division. Should we be surprised about that? You know, no, not really. Like, a, I, I don't know. Um, you know, that they, they could, um, you know, Dave Clawson's not a bad coach there, uh, coming over from the Mac and he's been at Wake Forest for a few years now, but now I think it's, I think it's those three teams and then, you know, kind of whatever everybody is left else in the ACC. Well, last year when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the MAC didn't start playing until way late in the season, and the ACC got going right away. They did the top 25 polls of all the teams that were playing. So we had like Louisville as like number 14 in the country. We're not going to be seeing that this year with the ACC. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Um <laughs> But it will be interesting, like you said, it will be interesting to see whether you know North Carolina and Miami can step up and really kind of pose uh, a major threat to Clemson, since Clemson has you know kind of run roughshod over the conference for the last you know four, five, six years now. Uh, can somebody step up and be a, a legitimate contender to the Tigers, or is it you know still their their title to lose? Yeah, should be very interesting to watch. We move over to the Pac-12. We're we're being remarkably efficient. This is this is great. Don't jinx it. <laughs> okay, Pac-12. Last year, Pac-12 didn't start playing until it's like the first weekend of November. It was really late in the season. But what we had of the Pac-12, USC was must-see TV last year. They were so fun to watch because. I, and look, I know they only played five regular season games, but every single one of those games, I remember being thrilling where they were down in the second half. They came back. They were the comeback kids. And they didn't have an, they did not have enough magic left in the tank when they were ended up losing the Pac-12 championship game to Oregon. Keaton Slovis returns as the starter. And I mean, USC is going to be fun to watch once again. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things where there are certain, you know, I know we've talked about this on college basketball pods as well. There are just certain teams where you feel like the sport is better when they're good. Oh yeah, and, and you know, for for guys like us who who grew who grew up with the you know the Pete Carroll USC dynasty and and all that, like USC is one of those teams where you feel like college football is better when they are good. Um, and you know, like you said, they were they were fun and exciting to watch. Uh, a year ago, um, you know, Slovis led a couple of, uh, I think, last-minute drives for the big rallies. You know, first against when they knocked off Arizona State, and then against yep. Arizona, they were they were down. He led them back. Um, you know, their their game against UCLA, which happens to be re-airing right now on ESPNU as uh, they're counting <laughs> down the top twenty-five football college football games of twenty twenty. You know, that was another exciting one with uh, eighty-one points scored between the two teams, Ooh. and uh, they're. You know, yeah, they're they're must see 
their musty football. They re- they return their their you know their leading rusher. Um, you know, Slovis is back. Uh, one of their top bunch of their top receivers. So like they should be good offensively. Eight returning starters on offense, eight on defense, and um, you know they should be able to get a chance to really get the thing rolling because you look at their early schedule. They open against San Jose State. Now that's a relatively tricky game because the defending Mountain West champions in San Jose State. Um, but then Stanford at Washington State, Oregon State at Colorado. Um, you know, the real, first real big game, I think, test for them is Utah, October 9th. And then they'll get rolling. But, uh, yeah, you know, they're they're fun to watch. And, uh, you know, they make for good late-night viewing. They tend to, tend to be the, <laughs> yeah. the Pac-12 after dark. And uh, they, should be, they should be good. Clay Helton, you know, after uh, will he stay, will he go, will he be fired, you know, kind of how's that all going to work out. And, uh, you know, in his seventh season, I think he's got probably his best team that he's had yet. Wow. Yeah, it'll be they're going to be really fun to watch. I do think Oregon's going to end up being the strongest of these teams in terms of like being a dark horse again. I shouldn't call him a dark horse, but I think they're a contender for the for the top four. It really wasn't that long ago. And yet it feels like forever ago just because of covid changes your view of how long things have been. But it was only two years ago that Oregon had a chance to play themselves into the playoff and they had that game where they ended up losing to Arizona state and Justin Herbert actually didn't end up looking too great in that game. A lot of people thought maybe he won't be that great of a pro quarterback because that was like his big uh, spotlight game. But Mario Cristobal has a good squad here in Oregon. And I mean, they, I expect them to be competitive once again, they did win the PAC 12 last year, but part of the problem was they only played five regular season games. So you know, these, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and, you know, they, they didn't get the big bowl games because of, uh, because they played only half a season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you feel like it's shaping up to be an Oregon or Washington, really uh, one of those two teams to win the, the Pac-12 North. And it will be interesting. Second week of the season, you know, week two, September 11th, we get a couple of intra-conference uh, Pac-12 Big Ten showdowns both in the Big Ten houses, Oregon goes to Ohio State and Washington goes to Ann Arbor to play Michigan. So a chance for those those Pac-12 teams really to, to get pick up some statement wins and uh, become, I think, more so on the national radar because I feel like we're talking about Oregon a little bit. I think Washington, even though they're ranked, is kind of sliding under the radar and um, you know, a chance for them to pick up a couple of wins. But really it feels like so far USC is the team nationally that people are talking about the most and uh, Oregon – and Washington will have a chance to, you know, put themselves into that right smack dab in that discussion if they can win on the road in Big Ten country. And not that's not even mentioning there are two other ranked teams in the AP poll, Utah and Arizona State. Arizona State, I like quite a bit as well. I mean, Jaden Daniels, I think, could be a real uh, breakout star this year. Again, going back to that game when they ruined Oregon's season two years ago. Jaden Daniels was the best player on the field that game, at least in terms of quarterbacks. He he outplayed Justin Herbert. He was that was his freshman year. This will be his junior year. Uh, I really like Herm Edwards a lot. I think a lot of people. I mean, we'll probably touch on this when we talk about Jim Harbaugh. But I think there are a number of these coaches, Andrew, whether it's uh, Tony Larusa or Jim Harbaugh or Herm Edwards or John Gruden or Urban Meyer, where it's like they either took a lot of time off and now they came back or they haven't coached at this level before. 
and they're all big characters and there's just a lot of skepticism that's like oh i don't from the media it's like oh i don't think that guy can do it i don't think he can do it and there were a lot of doubters when herm edwards stepped foot in uh tempe and he's done a really good job they've been interesting each of the last few years and i mean they're another team that i i could see them winning the pac 12 as a as maybe a dark horse type team yeah yeah they get usc at home uh, which is a good deal and you know you talked about herm and i think the the biggest question for on everybody's mind including myself included was you know you take a guy who's never coached in college and then you plop him down in there and i think he'd said something about you know he was he was going to run it kind of like a, an nfl team and he was going to be kind of the general manager and let the coordinators <laughs> kind of do their things and everybody's like what is this guy talking about does does he think it's going to work and you know it, they've had a fair amount of success like you said uh you know, they, they looked good last year, uh, just going two and two, but uh, a lot to build off of after an eight and five season in uh, 2019. And uh, they're another one that the schedule shapes up pretty favorably for them. They get Stanford at home. They get USC at home. They get Arizona at home. They do have to go to Washington, but, uh, you know, they've got, a, they got a chance, you know, you know, it's never easy to win in the Valley of the Sun. And, uh, you know, if it sets up and he's gotten fired up, you know, you talked about Jaden Daniels really like him and, uh, yeah, they've got it. They've got a shot if they can, uh, you know, wins get some games, win some games early, get some momentum rolling, and uh, they could be good come late October. Yeah, I like them quite a bit. I think they'll be fun to watch. Uh, any thoughts on Utah coming into the year? I don't feel like I'm overly familiar with them. It, it's weird because you know they they it looks like they're going to be bringing back presumably 19 starters. Um, and, you know, as I, as, I, as I just feel like I'm harping on this whole time, like that's probably one of the keys. And I feel like you'll yeah. see a lot of that this year because guys were given the option with the COVID year to come back, um, you know, and you get a lot of guys who normally wouldn't end up playing in the NFL, decide they want to play college for one more year or maybe try and improve their draft stock a little bit. Um, so, you know, you look at it and they've got uh, a transfer a quarterback. Charlie Brewer is coming over from Baylor uh, oh, after, yeah. their, after their, uh, you know, Jake Bentley graduated um you know there was that unfortunate situation their star running back ty jordan was killed in uh he was i can't remember it was a shooting of some sort and um you know so so they're playing this year for him and i know there will be added motivation uh certainly for that um you know they kyle whittingham is i feel like they're another team that you know we talk about tcu they win a lot with defense like they they can score uh, if they have to, but they're going to be much more comfortable uh, when they're giving up fewer points. 2019, when they were 11 and three, they're giving up 15 points a game. You know, and then last year it turned out they went three and two, but they're giving up 26. So they got bring back nine starters on defense. If they can, you know, keep that continuity going and get the the points per game allowed down to around 20, um, and, and you know, get games set up where you can win with three touchdowns. Um, they'll, they'll be good. The schedule sets up. It's a little bit difficult for them. They got to go to Arizona. They got to go to USC. Um, they do get Oregon at home. Um, they have to go to Stanford. So the schedule makers necessarily not doing them any favors, but, uh, you know, defense travels wherever you go. So if, you know, they can play solid defensively, um, you know, they got a lot of juniors, uh, penciled into their projected starting lineup. That's a team who also should be able to make some noise in the PAC 12 South. And UCLA, they did get votes. They got two votes. Uh, between UCLA and the rest of the conference, anyone else worth uh, talking about here, Andrew? 
I mean, UCLA always a little bit interesting. You know, Chip Kelly, um, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yes. Just a dynamic player. And, you know, when you've got a quarterback who can make plays, that can cover up for various deficiencies. Um, You know, they're projected to bring back 20 starters out of 22 positions. So guys will be familiar. Um, You know, they've got – they open up week zero against Hawaii, and then they got September 4th, week one against LSU. So we'll know a lot about LSU – or about UCLA, rather – here pretty soon because uh you know they've got ed orgeron's lsu squad coming out and uh if they can compete in that game you know remember a few years ago when they uh played against texas a&m in that wild game and there was a big comeback Um, yeah you know if if they can play well and and you know show up against lsu whether or not they win but if they can play well that's going to kind of boost them and sort of get people more thinking uh and talking about them it's interesting um, and I don't remember whether this was a, a change that has been made. Uh, it's actually been going on for a few years now that I think about it. But, uh, you know, they play USC the week before Thanksgiving. Um, you know, that's kind of been uh, – for a long time they played right after Thanksgiving, kind of when the you know rivalry week was. But, uh, you know, they got to go to USC and go cross town. Um, they got to go to Utah. They got to go to Washington. So their schedule is tough. They do get Oregon at home. Um, they may be a year away from really kind of stepping to the forefront and being one of those favorite teams in the Pac-12 South. But it wouldn't surprise me if they jumped up and, and got somebody, pulled an upset, uh, you know, won a game you're not expecting them to win. Like, you know, would it surprise me at all if they beat Oregon um, in the Rose Bowl? Not at all. So, um, you know, Chip Kelly kind of building and building, and, and, you know, this may be the year before things finally come to fruition, and then you just hope that he gets one more year to, to, to kind of bring it all together. Be fun to watch. And you mentioned that UCLA LSU matchup. If LSU were to wear their purple uniforms, which they probably won't because they're always wearing the white ones, but let's just say hypothetically, purple uniforms LSU, UCLA wears their blue uniforms. That would be like my favorite, one of my favorite like aesthetical games in terms of those are two of my favorite college football uniforms or just college sports uniforms. Um, to see them on the f- same field together, I think would be that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty awesome. And I do have to shout out the USC UCLA rivalry in that they've set up where both teams can wear their their home jerseys every yes. year. Like uh, I think the big rivalries. I would love if Michigan Ohio State did that. I think a lot more big rivalry games should take cues from that. When you don't, if your jerseys are far enough apart that it's not going to matter and not going to be discerning. Um, you know, it looks great to see. The, the powder blue versus the maroon and yellow. And uh, I wish a lot more rivalry games would do that. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be great. And I also on that, I mean, we could do a whole other tangent, a whole other episode on this, but I mean, college basketball, why don't the home teams wear their, their colors at home? It's weird. That, Same thing that with is, NBA. That is weird. Yeah. For whatever reason, the NBA college basketball decide you wear white at home except for, you know, those really big kind of rivalry games where you where you yeah. bust out the, the colors. But, yeah, um, you know, it's – it's USC-UCLA is a, is a fun matchup. It should be a good, entertaining game, and it will be one of the best-dressed games of the year. <laughs> that is – that I think is without question. 
Now, I will say, I'll make note of this. I'm hoping to. I have not bought my tickets yet. I need to get on that soon. But I'm hoping to be visiting Scottsdale a month from now and at the last weekend of September. I got some friends out there. JJ Jagger, Ch- uh, Chase Beebe, and Chad Vothering. All three of them have been on this show. Oh, and Gary Sheffield Jr. as well. So uh, we, we got a whole crew out there. I want to go visit those guys. And we were... Uh, talking about going to see Arizona State play at home against Colorado. be pretty fun. Yeah, that, that would be a good one. Yeah. All right, let's move on over to uh, we, we took care of those. Okay, should we do group of five at the end, or should we do that now? Uh, we can do it. Let's do it now. Yeah, I Cause agree. Because that, that way I feel like, if we don't do it now, you know, if we spend a lot of time talking about SEC, Big Ten, like I don't want it yeah. to feel rushed yeah. through yeah. through getting there. So yeah, let's talk them now. Okay, so group of five slash independent. Now there are a couple here that are top ten. You got Cincinnati at number eight, who I I really uh, I fought for last year. I wanted to see them get in the top four. I don't know. Like, is there any kind of path for Cincinnati? I know they have a tougher schedule this year. So they play, let's see, they play at Indiana. They play at Notre Dame. If they, and then they also play, I mean, then they, then they play their conference schedule. If they were to go undefeated, win those games at Notre Dame and Indiana, is there any way that we could see Cincinnati get into the playoff? Or is, has that ship sailed? I mean, I feel like if, you know, if they win those games, right, you win – and they're spread out over three weeks, but they're, they're games they have back-to-back. September 18th at Indiana, October 2nd at Notre Dame. Right now, Indiana and Notre Dame are both top 15 teams. Like, if you have two wins like that, and if they're 12-0, um, you know, that'll, that'll include they'll also have wins over UCF. Um, you know, I think SMU is a team that people are kind of sleeping on. They may be pretty decent this year. Yeah. Um, you know, so... They'll have to win at Navy. It's never easy to go to win at Annapolis. Um, but look, if you have wins, unless Indiana falls off the table, like if you know, we talked a little bit about Iowa State, and we can talk about it a little bit more when we get to the Big Ten, um, whether they can handle the weight of expectations. But assuming that they don't, if Indiana has another good year, Notre Dame has another solid year, and you're Cincinnati at the end of the year at 13-0, and you have road wins over Indiana and Notre Dame, what – how many other schools will be able to match up both that record and those quality of road wins? I, I yeah. don't think there are many. So unless it gets to the situation where there are like six undefeated teams, like if all of the power five conferences or four of the power five have undefeated teams, if you know, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio state, and you know, Oregon, USC, whatever, um, or Clemson, if you know some combination of those conferences, that's the only thing I can see is if there are five undefeated teams and Cincinnati being the fifth one would probably end up on the outside looking in, which is not the way it should be, but that's, I just feel like the way college football has gone, you know, the way the group of five teams have been treated, I feel like that's probably the way it would turn out. But if the power five teams take losses and you've got a couple of power five champs with one loss and Cincinnati is 13 and with wins in South Bend and in Bloomington, like I, I don't know how you don't let them in. At that point, it becomes highway robbery, and the group of five is just never going to get in, at least until yeah. the playoff expands. 
Yeah, and it's it feels that way, but I think you make a lot of great points uh, because it would be very hard to it'd be very hard to keep them out if that's the case. And thankfully, I mean, this is one of the positives I'd say of Notre Dame not being of, of them being an independent team because a lot of people want Notre Dame to join a conference. And if we go down this road of expansion and this proposed plan that we had, which I talked about with Dario earlier in the summer, if if that ends up being the case, and in order to get a first-round buy in the expanded college football playoff, you have to win your conference championship, then, I mean, Notre Dame's going to join the ACC, probably the ACC. I mean, they're going to join a conference if that's the case. But if, as it is right now with Notre Dame as an independent team, they're, they're no longer, last year they did play in the ACC, this year they're an independent team. I mean, this is the good thing is because Notre Dame has that name brand recognition. They have a reputation. They've been able to get in to the postseason as an independent team. So that does provide an opportunity for a school like Cincinnati because this is a quality opponent for both teams that both teams could use this win in order to get into the top four. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those early season you know, I guess maybe not early season since it's the first Saturday in October, but one of those that could springboard somebody, um, really propel them to a, a high quality season. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those games that I think while well, people are talking about all the big non conference games, you know, I, I think this one kind of gets glossed over, but uh, it should be a good one. Um, you know, Desmond Ritter, we could probably spend a long time talking about him and <laughs> yeah. last year it's almost 2300 yards 19 touchdowns um you know they looked really really good gave georgia everything they could handle in the peach bowl last year uh you you know you you were stumping for them to get in the playoff i would not have been disappointed if they had made it um and uh you know they, they bring back not quite as many starters as other guys uh only 14 uh seven on offense seven on defense but at the right positions and uh, they are primed to, you know, try and win another AAC title. Um, and, you know, those big non-conference games, they win those, and they will have to be in the playoff discussion. I don't think there's any two ways about it. I think it's interesting that you say that 14 starters returning is not a lot. Uh, that just shows how weird this – I mean, this is – look, college football is normal, but – this uh, factor of the extra year of eligibility in any other year, you'd say, wow, 14 starters returning. That's, that's a good number. That's uh, a high percentage of your team. But this year, I mean, there's some teams where it's like they have the entire, the whole team coming back for another run at things. It's, it's yeah. going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the other interesting thing is, and I feel like I've been talking about this a lot with my coworkers at the paper is that, and just really anyone who wants to talk college football and will listen to me is that, you know, it's just so unusual to not have any real semblance of a sense of kind of where teams are. Right. Like, even though the playoffs happened, like, because there were no, because the bowl games and the playoffs were the only inter out of conference games, the big 10 played because they were the only out of conference games, the PAC 12 played like, it's just so hard going into the season, not having a sense of kind of where everybody is, which I think makes it fun and exciting. Now there's always the chance that it could shake out where, you know, the, the usual suspects all show up and the playoff is the exact same four teams it has been for <laughs> yeah. forever. Yeah. You know, maybe we're swapping out Notre Dame for a PAC 12 team or, you know, Oklahoma gets swapped out with somebody, but 
it's seemingly been those four teams for forever. So there's a chance that that's just, you know, the cream rises to the top and this is where they are. And this is how it's always going to be until we get to, you know, the 12 team playoff. But there's also a chance that we could see some surprising teams. You know, we could get a Cincinnati or maybe, you know, uh, Penn state rebounds from the big 10 or, you know, a variety of other teams, you know, we get Georgia who's only played a thing in the playoff once or twice. Um, you know, so there's a chance that maybe because there's all this uncertainty, Iowa state, North Carolina, that because it's, it's really hard to gauge where all these teams are that we might get a playoff that looks a little bit different, you know? And I, I know certainly as college football fans, I feel like we certainly want that, you know, we're not fans of Oklahoma or Alabama or whatever. So we can, we can openly root for chaos, but (laughs) I I, I think, I think this, this might be the year where if we're going to get somebody different, um, I think we will. And I think as, as a college football fan, I think that's what you want. I really think, I mean, look, it's early. We haven't had any games played, but looking at these teams on paper, I really think this would just be such a great year to have an eight-team playoff or a 12-team playoff because I really think that, and maybe it's just the fact that since we haven't actually seen them go out on the field and see them play, I just think a lot of these teams are so interesting that there's a case for a number of them to potentially being that top four, that'd be fun to watch them just slug it out in a field of 12. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It would be, it, it is a shame that we're not going to get that. And while we're talking about the AAC, we should touch on yes. UCF, you know, Gus Malzahn, uh, let go to Auburn, uh, rebounds at UCF. And, uh, you know, they've got one of the exciting quarterbacks. I, I mean, normally in a normally other than Desmond Ritter, you would say the most exciting quarterback in the AAC. I don't know whether we can make that particular claim because Ritter <laughs> is back at Cincinnati. But uh, Dylan Gabriel had a phenomenal year a year ago. Yes, he did. Uh, almost 3,600 yards, 32 touchdowns, just four interceptions. Um, wow. You know, just kind of continuing on that stretch of UCF just has gotten good quarterback play. You know, going back to the the Scott Frost years, the undefeated season and the the national champion you know, that they claim national championship, they claimed and, and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, UCF should be really good. Like, like they were a little bit down, you know, last year, six and four, they bring in Gus Malzahn, but they went, you know, that was after a stretch of three years in 17, 18 and 19, where they were 35 and four. Okay. Wow. So, so, you know, they didn't forget how to win in Orlando. They were six and four last year, um, played Cincinnati really close, lost the three point game there. Um, they started out the season, they beat Georgia Tech, you know, and, and they lost to, uh, they lost to Tulsa, then lost to Memphis, and, and that kind of derailed their season a little bit. But uh, Gabriel's a really, really fun player to watch. Um, they, they, they're they a really good team. The AAC game of the year, October 16th, UCF at Cincinnati. Um, you, you know, that'll be one worth tuning into. And, um, you know, I think Gus Malzahn, I don't, I don't want to, Try not to remember, but I feel like he won a national championship with Auburn in his first or second year. And I'm not saying that that's the yeah you know, Cam Newton team, right? Yeah, right. Where I'm not saying that's where UCF should be, but you know he he gets kind of a fresh start. And I know he got a little bit frustrated on the planes, and uh, so a chance for him to kind of re re regenerate, re you know renew his his coaching acumen, and uh, he didn't forget how to coach. And um, I I think UCF will be a really good team. They'll would not surprise me at all if they're in the top 25 at the end of the year. And again, circle that, you know, October 16th date, UCF at Cincinnati. That should be a spectacular game. 
Um, and, you know, I, I don't remember what the ASC's TV deal is. I think on ESPN, hopefully that's a game on ABC that, uh, you know, all the country can, can tune into and watch yeah. because it, it should be a spectacular football game. Yeah, it really should. And look, the American has been... Americans are not a bad conference at all. I mean, they called it, they were trying to brand themselves a few years ago as the Power Six. Uh, we're a part of the Power Six conferences. Uh, and then I think they bailed on that moniker uh, pretty quick. They haven't, I haven't seen those commercials at all. Uh, but I mean, Tulsa was really good last year. They had a good team. And um, SMU should be solid this year. Memphis was really good a couple years ago. Uh, I, I enjoy watching the AAC. Yeah, yeah, they play a lot of good football. You know, they got Navy is always entertaining to watch. Uh, we should shout out uh, our friend Aaron Levitt, who's a big Navy Naval Academy yes. supporter. But um, and this is a we, very pro Aaron Levitt podcast. By we are, the way, we, we, we are we are very pro Aaron Levitt. Uh, <laughs> one of the best guys we know, and one of the the best workers in the business of uh, yep. sports information. Um, and you know. It seems like the AAC has pretty much cemented itself as the top conference in the group of five. Like there, there was a while where it was Mountain West and they're going back and forth. But I think the AAC has kind of solidified itself as as the next conference up. And, you know, you may get a team like uh, Sunbelt, you know, with, with Coastal Carolina last year and Coastal will be really good. I know their preseason top 25 Appalachian State will be really good. Uh, also in the Sun Belt, but I feel like uh, currently, if you start ordering and tiering conferences, I feel like the AAC is going to be at the top of the group of five, and um, which seems to me that it is the most likely conference if it has Cincinnati goes undefeated. They're the conference yeah. most likely to get their undefeated champion into the playoff as it's situated right now with four teams. So uh, a lot of good football played in the AAC. I mean, there's a lot of good football played everywhere, but uh, you know, the AAC is going to be well worth watching this year. Yeah, and looking at outside of the AAC, you mentioned Coastal. I, I will say that the fact of there was one good thing about the craziness of last year, and that gave us that BYU, uh, the Mullets versus Mormons game. It was so cool how that thing came together, like planned like six days out or five days out, and it just impromptu, great game, game of the year in terms of regular season for me. I mean, hey, maybe some people preferred the... Uh, the double overtime thriller in South Bend, but I mean, I I love that game on the blue turf. It was really fun to watch. Uh, Coastal is going to be. I mean, they got a lot of guys coming back this year. The Sun Belt is not going to get the same type of respect as the AAC. However, the Sun Belt did go three and zero against the Big Twelve last year. Um, Coastal and Louisiana, both those teams should be uh, pretty good once again. Yeah, yeah, they should be. I uh, mean, you look at it and. You know, three, maybe four, depending on what you think about Arkansas State uh, in the West Division. But App State uh, and Coastal, that's that's going to be the yeah. Sun Belt game of the year, probably. That's October yep. 20th. That's going to be a Wednesday night. So uh, hopefully we're lucky and uh, there there aren't uh, ALCS, NLCS games going on <laughs> that night. We can just focus on college football um, because it, the, the atmosphere up there in Boone, North Carolina, that um, – it is, it is second to none in terms of what you're going to find in the group of five level. Um, they will be rowdy, and they will be ready to go in a game that will almost assuredly decide the uh, conference's Eastern Division title. Um, and, you know, that's that's a stretch right before on a Tuesday night, they're gonna, the Appalachian State's going to be at Louisiana. 
So uh, you talk about Billy Napier's team. They're kind of the favorites in the Western division. And, uh, you know, so that's that's a two-game stretch at Louisiana and then Coastal at home. That's We're going to get to find out a lot about App State. may find out sooner, September 11th, we talk about uh, non-conference games. They go to Miami. Um, and if Miami coming off that game against Alabama, however that game plays out, if they are not ready, um, as someone who is very well familiar with what Appalachian State can do to you if you're not ready for them, um, you know, uh, they they could absolutely go down in a hard rock stadium and win that game. Um, you know they they returned ten starters on defense. Um, you know they only gave up twenty points a game last year. They they led Coastal at halftime. Um, they could have beaten Marshall. They, you know, Sean Clark just in his second year there. Um, you know the coaches keep changing in in Boone and the ever since they've, you know they going back to the back-to-back-to-back FCS National Championships. Um, and then since the transition to Division One, they just keep on winning. Uh, last five years, 10 wins in 2016, 9 wins in 2017, 11 wins in 2018, 13 wins in 2019, and 9 wins in 2020. Like, they just keep winning in App State. It doesn't matter who's running, at, who's in charge of the team. Uh, just keep recruiting. They've got a machine going on. Uh, you know, Coastal last year was so entertaining. You talked about that uh, Mormons uh, versus Mullets game. That was one of the best ones. Also one of the best bowl games, Coastal versus Liberty. That yes. was outstanding. Um, you know, and now Coastal's on the map. They're going to get a chance to uh, – they play Kansas, and they get Kansas coming to uh, Conway this year. Um, so they'll get a chance to try and continue that run against the Big 12. Um, but, yeah, that you know, app, that, that just highlighting, man. October 20th, you know, we got October 16th. Uh, we got the AAC game of the year, UCF and Cincinnati. And four days later, we're going to have uh, Coastal at App State. And uh, that's going to be a pretty, pretty solid week of group of five football. I'm sure there will be, you know, really good power five games going on. But, uh, you know, I feel like you and I, especially as, as Valpo grads, kind of <laughs> also tend to take a real hard look at the group of five teams. And, um, you know, that will be a, a particularly good stretch. And even going back, I said before, uh, App State at Louisiana on October 12th. And, uh, you know, kind of transition to Billy Napier's team now, if you're okay with that. 20, 20 returning starters for uh, the Raging Cajuns. Uh, one of only a couple of teams to beat Iowa State last year. Um, you know, they, they went into Ames and they just pulled that shocker right off. And uh, they got in, and uh, they were they win by like seventeen or something yep. like that. Yep, they had yeah, thirty-one fourteen, and they were wow. humming along. Then they lost to Coastal by three, um, and then fell out of the polls for a couple weeks. They're they're back in. They they got a good win at App State a year ago, so now they get App State coming to their place. Um, and man, uh, Levi Lewis, the senior quarterback for them, uh, threw for twenty-five hundred yards, nineteen touchdowns. So you know, don't sleep on them. And uh, they open the year at Texas, uh, you know, trying to uh, continue that streak of games, wins over uh, Big 12 teams in season openers. And, uh, you know, if Sark's team's not ready, man, uh, that's, you know, that's kind of one of those you might want to sort of keep yeah. an eye on. And it may not be your main game that you're watching on September 4th on the, the full opening weekend, but uh, make sure you've got a chance to find where that game is because uh, if you're looking for an upset, that's that's as big a possibility, I think, as any in terms of talking about Group of Five versus Power Five in that opening weekend. It should be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, in terms of 
group of five, and I guess we can kind of stay in this. We'll, we'll use the group and f- group of five and independent in the same category here. Uh, so we're using that loosely. We mentioned BYU. We mentioned Liberty. Liberty's got a really good team once again this year. They they received uh, 36 votes in the AP poll. They've got Malik Willis, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, and then BYU, the other team that Coastal played last year, they lose Zach Wilson. They did get some votes, but I know uh, shout out to the Cover 3 podcast on CBS Sports. A lot of those guys think they're going to take a big step back this year. Yeah, only 11 returning starters. And even if that weren't the case, um, you know, even if they had more, just listen to this schedule. Okay, They open against Arizona, Arizona in Las Vegas. They get Utah at home. They get Arizona at home. They get USF at home. At Utah State. Boise State at home. At wow. Baylor. At Washington State, Virginia at home. They they do play Idaho State. Then they're a week off. Then at Georgia Southern, at USC. I mean, <laughs> I mean they have they have they have taken the the independent scheduling like Notre Dame, um, you know, and they've you know, and, I, and the, the TV deal they have with ESPN may help in terms of getting some of these these big teams to play them home and homes. But they are challenging themselves like nobody else. And, uh, you know, this may be a year where they take some growing pains a little bit. Like you said, um, you know, with, with uh, Zach Wilson moving on, he was awesome last year. Yeah. 33 touchdowns, 3,700 yards. Um, you know, not, not going to roll over and start freshman Jacob Conover. So you would assume there will be a step back uh, from that. But, you know, this might be one of those years where you start building for 2022 um, and see if you can pull off some upsets. But certainly, you know, Kalani Sataki, really good coach. Um, and it's not like BYU is going anywhere. So, you know, they open with Arizona, Utah, Arizona State. Um, certainly a chance to pull off an upset in one of those games. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Liberty. We got Liberty as well. Liberty looks, once again, they look really good. Yeah, Liberty. Um, you Winners know, of the bowl. What what was that bowl last year? What was it called? It was, the, was it the Cure Bowl? I think it was the Cure yeah, Bowl, or something Cure like that. Cure Bowl. Cure Bowl. Um, you know, a sneaky game to keep an eye on. A couple of ones on Liberty. Um, November sixth at Mississippi. That so they go and they'll take on Lane Kiffin and uh, you know down at the Grove in Oxford. Um, but an independent game to keep an eye on. November twenty seventh. Army heads down to Lynchburg to take on Liberty. And you mentioned Malik Willis. He rushed for, you know, one of the better running quarterbacks and throwing quarterbacks. I mean, he's going to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft next year. Um, but he ran for almost ni- uh, 950 yards in addition to throwing for 2250. Watching Liberty's offense and Army's offense <laughs> go up against each other will be so entertaining yeah. here on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. It will give you an opportunity. You know, there will be all those big rivalry games in the Power Five ones, but don't let this one get out of your sight. This has the opportunity to be a very, very entertaining, and I would guess based on rushing offense, a very fast-moving game. I mean, this could be one of those where, you know, the game's over in like two and a half hours. Um, <laughs> but don't sleep on Liberty. You know, Hugh Freeze um, – in his third year there, you know, in his first two years, eight and five, ten and one, um, and and he's got that thing rolling, man. And and Malik Willis, uh, twenty starters coming back, all eleven starters on offense, uh, projected guys who were starting on that team last year. So, um, you know, they're used to winning. They know what it takes to win, 
in that team. Um, and, you know, you just wonder, they're not going to be able to sneak up on anybody anymore. Like, people know they're good. Um, but, man, they've, they've got the talent to, um, you know, knock off some teams. They, they go to Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse and Mississippi, it looks like those are the only two um, Power 5 games that they play. But the week before they play Army, they get Billy Napier's Louisiana team to come in. So, and, you know, another really good group of five slash independent high quality game there. Uh, Liberty in Louisiana on November 20th to keep an eye on. Uh, man, I, you, I looked for looking at all this. There are a lot more games to highlight that are going to be awesome than I, I think I'd even realize <laughs> going on. And uh, so, uh, you know, got a lot to get excited about. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's those two games to finish the year, uh, I think will tell us really a lot about Liberty. And the last one of these big time teams, uh, group of five independent, the Notre Dame fighting Irish, the Notre Dame. They, of course they played in the college football playoff last year and didn't go great. Uh, but I mean, they're always a, they're always a pretty high floor team. Like they, they always win a lot of games, even in their down years. Um, Ian book has left. He's in the NFL now. And, in terms of quarterback, is it? It's going to be Jack Cohn, the transfer from Wisconsin. He's going to start, I believe. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be their starter, and uh, will probably be starting against his old team when uh, yeah. Notre Dame takes on Wisconsin at Soldier Field. Uh, was supposed to be the second of a, a back-to-back where they were going to play at Lambeau last year, and I, I can't remember they've rescheduled that game for I think something like twenty twenty-nine or twenty thirty-two, somewhere down the road, <laughs> where none of the players we're playing in now will be on the roster to go back and play in the game at Lambeau unless they end up becoming coaches. But, uh, you know, yeah, just, just three returning starters on offense, six returning starters on defense. Um, a lot of really talented players uh, ended up kind of sneaking out the door. Uh, they do bring back uh, Kyron Williams, uh, who was their leading rusher a year ago. Um, so that will certainly help. But they had such a good offensive line. And I think four of those guys were drafted in the first two days of the NFL draft. So, um, you know, they will have, they have plenty of talent, um, you know, to kind of step up next man in, but uh, don't know whether that will turn out to be the case. Uh, there may be some growing pains there. Um, you know, week one, their game at Florida state will be incredibly interesting just to kind of see, you know, where Notre Dame is kind of where Florida state is, how they measure themselves against each other. We already talked about that Wisconsin game. And they got Cincinnati. Um, you know that'll that'll be a big time game both for Cincinnati and conversely, if Notre Dame wins that game, that could really turn out to be a statement game. Which you know I can't imagine if you told someone five years ago that a game against Cincinnati would be a statement game for Notre Dame, uh, <laughs> they'd have been like, "What are you talking about?" Um, and then USC. Hey, by the play- way, this is Brian Kelly versus the last school he coached at too. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, you know, it's been a while since he's been at the alma mater, but yeah, when he took that team to uh, the sugar bowl, right. Yep. Uh, and they played Florida. Um, yep. So, you know, and then they got USC at home. They, they finished at Stanford. They played Georgia tech, Virginia. Those are the other kind of ACC games. They're at Virginia tech, always tough to win at lane stadium. Um, it's, it's an interesting schedule for Notre Dame. They got to Tula- uh, Toledo rather coming in. Uh, they play Purdue what, for, it seems like what the first time in, uh, Forever, I know it's since nineteen since just twenty fourteen. That was the last time they played. But um, lots of talent at Notre Dame. How they kind of you know fill out will be interesting. And if they can get those guys to step up on the offensive line, um, 
they'll have a chance to, you know, kind of keep where they are. I think they're right around preseason top 10, top 15. Um, so they, you know, if that's, if those guys gel on the offensive line, that's, I could very easily see Notre Dame finishing somewhere in there when we get to the end of the season polls. Yeah, I could really see this team going either way, to tell the truth. I could see it being, I mean, I, I don't think, like you said, it is a bit of a rebuilding, reloading year, getting ready for the future. So I, if they were to bottom out and not have a great year, it wouldn't be a huge deal. That's what happens for most teams. Most teams don't get to be like Alabama and never really have a rebuilding year. Um, but yeah, they should be they should be a solid at least. Andrew, so uh, regardless of what happens with Notre Dame, I mean, look, San Jose State, Ball State, those teams each uh, won their conferences last year. Is there anyone else outside of Notre Dame and really it seems we've talked about just keep an eye on in terms of group of five and independent? Uh, Boise State, I think, is a team to keep an eye on. You know, they're they're a little bit under the radar after having not had quite as much success as they did when uh, Chris Peterson was there. But, uh, you know, they're, the Broncos, I think, are kind of the, the favorites to win the Mountain West. They got to the Mountain West title game a year ago, lost to San Jose State. But uh, they return a lot of guys uh, coming back from that roster. And uh, a chance for them, I think, to possibly make some, some noise here on the national stage after having faded away. Not faded away. I, that's not the right phrase. But, uh, you know, after having kind of gone maybe a step away from the nation's forefront, uh, they do open Thursday night, um, that September 2nd. Slate has a lot of really interesting games. They open at UCF, so we get uh, some group of five, group of five violence here right away. But, uh, uh, you know, a chance for one of those teams really to kind of whoever wins that game, I think is going to take a big step forward and uh, will move up in the polls and will be thought of pretty highly about. They also get Oklahoma State coming to the blue turf on September 18th. Um, so, you know, a chance for them. Uh, maybe San Diego State, they've got an outside shot as well under Brady Hoke to uh, have some success. And uh, perhaps, as, as we stay in the Mountain West, maybe Wash, uh, Wyoming, rather, under Craig Bowl after he had all that success at North Dakota State. Uh, so a few teams to keep an eye on there. The Mountain West, always kind of interesting, uh, has been stretching back to the days when uh, TCU was in there uh, and beyond. So uh, keep an eye on them. I think, uh, you know, again, we talk about tiers. If you're going to tier the, the conferences, I would probably put the Mountain West kind of on par with the Sun Belt, maybe just a step below yay see where we where we were talking about putting those teams but uh, certainly certainly some uh, entertaining teams especially out west to kind of keep an eye on all right y'all that does it today for part one of our college football season preview part one of two check back later this week for part two where we preview the big 10 the sec and we throw in our playoff picks as well and maybe some other stuff for that matter. So make sure you guys are all subscribed to the Jack Vita show so you don't miss that episode or our upcoming NFL preview, which I will be taping in a couple days and I'll start releasing that. Hey, maybe later this week, early next week, it'll be coming out soon and it'll probably be two parts. Who knows? Maybe it'll be even more parts than that, but should be a lot of fun. So subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you guys are listening to this podcast. YouTube, follow along at Jack Vita Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook so you can vote in the best sports movie of all time bracket. 
I've also got another special episode some coming sometime over the next few weeks with a very special guest. You guys are not going to want to miss out on that. So make sure, again, you're subscribed and I'll put out the information about who the special guest is on social media so you guys can ask any questions that you have for said special guest. If you guys enjoy the show, again, you can subscribe, but also... If you want to do me a solid favor, share this show with a friend and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just write a short review. It does a lot of help to get this show up in the algorithm on Apple Podcasts so that we can expand our audience and, hey, maybe I can make a little money doing this while we expand the audience. Okay, until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. 